What's up, church? How we doing? You guys good? I hope you feel as good as you look, because that would mean you feel great. Cheap laugh, I know. Well, let's do this. Let's welcome all of our Denver-based locations, including the men and the women at both of our God Behind Bars campuses right now. Welcome to your church. Yeah. If you're watching this online, welcome. And across the ocean, on the other side of the world, our Brussels campus, a very warm welcome to you. We love you very much. I just feel cool saying that. I don't know what it is, but I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good Black Friday. Hope you got some killer deals. Heck, I hope you got some steals is what I hope you got. And um, hashtag transition. I hope, more importantly, that you showed up to church today expectant. I really do, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but your posture walking into church dictates a lot about your church experience. Because here's what I know about God. I know that he loves grateful postures, and he loves expectant postures. God looks at both of those kinds of postures and, and, and thinks, all right, I can work with something like that. And, and basically, when it comes to your life, a lot of times God will do as much or as little in your life as you expect him to do. And so if, if it's been a while and you haven't seen God at work in your life, I would just challenge you right now to ask yourself, do I expect to see God at work in my life? Because here's what I know, that biblically and historically, every time heaven touches earth, it does so through the delivery system of somebody's faith and expectancy. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's Hebrews chapter 11. But that with faith, with expectancy, at least according to Jesus, you please God and you see the glories of God at work in your life and in the world. Amen? Amen. So I hope that you came to church today expectant. Um, last week was supposed to be our final week of the battle-tested series, but we're going to extend it one more for three reasons. Number one, because it's been so good and so awesome and so applicable in so many ways to everyday life. Number two, because a few nights ago I watched Gladiator, so I'm just in the mood, so just give me this, okay? And number three, and most importantly, because for some reason I just feel so strongly that God has a specific direction for us to go this week on the banner of battle tested and I know enough to know that when the big man upstairs says take a message in this direction you take a message in this direction and it just always works out there's always a reason because he sees more than we see and he knows more than we know and so that's what we're going to do this week and so I hope that's all right I'm, I'm going to give you the direction right up front so if you're taking notes and I hope you're taking notes if you're not just know I'm secretly judging you <laughs> I'm kidding but if you are, here's the thesis, just right up front. Here it is. Those who are battle-tested, show up ready. Those who are battle-tested, show up ready. You could also say it this way. Those who are battle-tested, dress for battle, right? You don't show up to a fight wearing flip-flops and board shorts unless you're Jackie Chan or the guy from Creed. Not the band, but the movie, right? You know I have to do it now. Can you take me higher? Let's stop. Don't keep singing. That's my impression. This could be a 10-minute rabbit trail, but we don't have time. Focus. We got to get back. So, oh, man, I want to. We're not going to. You don't show up to a fight wearing flip-flops and board shorts unless you're Jackie Chan or the guy from Creed, the movie, right? You show up ready to fight. You show up dressed to do some battle. This is actually a biblical principle that Paul outlines for us in Ephesians chapter 6 in regards to being ready and being the kind of Christians who live our lives ready for battles, for opportunities, and moments that come our way every single day. This is the armor of God that we're looking at tonight, starting in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, if you have your Bible and want to follow along. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But here we go. This is an epic, epic text. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, be ready. Therefore, dress for battle. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love, I love this text. This is Paul. All the scripture, by the way, that we're looking at tonight is from Paul. This is a man who understands what it's like to face battles, not just out here, but up here as well, as you're going to find out. And he says, hey, some of the times our battles are against things that we can see. A lot of the times, though, they're, a thing, they're, they're against things that are invisible. And I don't know if you know this, but you have an enemy who every day is trying to take you down, rob life and rob influence from you. Jesus actually tells us this in John 10.10. 10. It's a very famous verse for a lot of good reasons. He says, I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full, which is awesome. But the second, much less popular half of that verse, Jesus goes on to say, but you also have an enemy. You have a thief who is trying to steal from you, to kill you and destroy you. And I think it's important never to give the devil too much credit or elevate him. I mean, he's good at what he does, and his schemes are clever, but he's also an idiot because he chose hell over heaven and evil over good, evil over love, and so we don't give him too much credit. And I say that not in an arrogant kind of way where I'm ignorant of how good he is at what he does, but I say that in an authoritative kind of way that understands that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and at work within me, and I know that the very audible sound of the name Jesus Christ gives the devil a shudder. He shivers at the very audible sound of Jesus. And so we do not elevate him or build him up. But apparently there's some biblical wisdom found or to acknowledging him. Because when you acknowledge him, then you can actually do something about him. And even more, though, than spiritual warfare, I think Paul his heart behind writing this text in the armor of God is to, I hear him just screaming at Christians everywhere, imploring Christians everywhere to be ready. And I wrote that in all caps in my notes, be ready. That's how you know it's important because today there are battles coming your way. There's opportunities today to be salt and to be light in the world, to love somebody, to encourage somebody, to be Jesus in your home, to be Jesus at work or at the gym or at the grocery store or wherever you might find yourself. And I think we can all agree that requires some level of readiness. God's not looking for your perfection or your qualifications, but God is looking for your readiness, your awareness, and your willingness to be used. And so if you're taking notes, I titled this message tonight, I'll be ready. Nice and easy. I'll be ready. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray right now what I've been praying all week. God, that you would decrease our self-awareness and increase our God-awareness. I am so aware of me so often, God. 
We all bring things in these doors today that we are so aware of, distractions and things that are going on. God, I pray that you would heighten our senses of just how much you are present in this room and just how much you want to do in every single one of our lives, God. I pray people would leave today encouraged and built up and challenged. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray all of these things. Amen. All right. Every once in a while at the Weckenman household, my wife will be awakened in the middle of the night by some noise, a noise that quite honestly could come from anything within a half mile radius of our condo. But her conclusion every single time is that there's a bad guy in the house who wants to kill us, right? Now, in that moment, first of all, and I hope I'm not preaching to anybody right now, especially men, but in that moment, there's not like a conversation that happens between us as to like, okay, babe, which one of us is it gonna be to get out of bed and go check the house to see if there's a bad guy who has a gun, right? Every single time, that's me. If that's a conversation that happens, then I'm a horrible husband, is what it is. Like, babe, how about you? You got it this time, huh? I'll just be asleep. If you see anything, just yell. I love you, right? You go ahead, like I go every single time. And and there's a few things going through my head that I just want to share with you every single time this happens. Number one, if you're a burglar looking for your big break and you choose our condo, you're probably going to be bummed. Like, where's the safe, man? Oh, dude, we don't have a safe, but here's like 10 bucks. I don't know for your effort. I can make you a PB&J for the road. Better luck next house, right? (laughs) I'm thinking that I'm also a little panicked opening every closet, looking behind every door, right? And there's a part of me, a small part of me that's still fired up from watching Gladiator that secretly hopes there is some dude in here because I'd love a godly excuse to knock somebody out tonight. Don't judge me. Every guy in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. But there's a bigger part of me that is thinking, I just don't want to get stabbed tonight and a little panicked, right? I remember when I was little, my dad of course, was the one who would go downstairs and check the house anytime somebody heard a noise. I used to think my dad was the bravest man in the entire world, and I still think that, but I now know that every single time my, ha- my dad had a tinge of fear in his heart every single time he did that. So here's what I do. On our wall, right, do- right outside of our bedroom, hangs an exact replica of the Sword of Gryffindor from Harry Potter. Any Harry Potter fans? What's up, nerds? Fellow nerds, love you guys. And so here's what I do every single time I go on my weekly midnight walkabout through the condo to check for bad guys. I grab the sword off of the wall. Don't judge me right now, okay? Do not judge me. We're called to live authentically in a community together. I'm just going first, okay? Do not judge me. I grab the sword off of the wall because I'm thinking, man, on the off chance that there is some crazy dude somewhere in our house, I'd rather have something than nothing. I'd rather be a little bit prepared than not prepared at all. And I understand that against like a gun, this isn't going to do much, but I'll take this over my two fists any night of the week, right? I'd rather be a little prepared. I'd rather have something. And I brought this physically to church to hold it up in front of you, number one, so that you would know I'm not lying. I actually do have this sword. And I really use this every time I go on the walk through my condo. Not making this up, but number two, so that you'll never forget this picture and this image and this reminder that it's better to be ready. Always. As Christians, it's better to be ready. And every single morning that you wake up and you walk out of your front door, you have the option to walk out with two different postures. Number one, you have the option to walk out of your front door as a Christian who is spiritually aware and spiritually ready and prepared for the things of God and what God wants to do that day, or you have the option to walk out of your front door spiritually passive and unaware and unprepared. 
And the first option is always better because we don't control what God does. We don't make him move, but we can be ready and expectant for if and when he does. We can be ready and expectant. And Christians who walk out of their front doors prepared are Christians who can change the world because every single day there are battles to engage in. Not just for you, but on your family's behalf, the people in your life, on their behalf. There's good in the world, and it's worth fighting for. That's a Samwise Gamgee quote from Lord of the Rings. You're like, dude, be nerdier right now. I know. Those who humble themselves will be lifted up in due time. That's all I'm trying to do right now. There's good in the world. There's godliness in the world. There's purity that you still have. It's worth fighting for. There's people to love. There's a great commission to do. There will be opportunities, plural, for you to seize because we understand that we are a part of There's something much bigger going on here than just our stories, right? And I want to dress for it. I want to be ready. We don't make God move, but if and when he wants to move today, I want to be ready, and I'm dressing for it. And so we're going to walk through the armor of God and talk about the significance, but more importantly, the realness of every part of the armor. There's six parts, and this is a spiritual discipline, by the way, that if you do it, and that's the catch, if you do it, has so much potential to add fullness to your life and ready you for every battle or opportunity that might be coming your way every single day. Jesus says what? In this world, you will have trouble. So have a battle-tested series and take heart because I've overcome this world, and I'm going before you And I've given you weapons to fight with. And so here we go. The armor of God, starting first and foremost with the belt of truth. Paul says, put on the belt of truth. And by doing this, basically what this is, is making a declaration to yourself over your life that today I'm choosing to live by what is true, not by what I feel. I'm choosing to live by what is true, not by what I feel. Because truth is constant and my feelings are not Like, I don't understand my emotions. Nobody does. You don't. You could go to bed tonight completely happy, wake up tomorrow morning, the alarm goes off at 8 a.m. and you're sad and you don't know why. And then at 10 a.m. you're mad because you can't figure out why you're so sad, but only until noon when you're happy again. Like, this this is how emotions work. They are constantly changing. And for some of you, and I know because I've, I've been there so many times, you live according to your emotions. Even when your feelings And what's true are oftentimes two very, very different things. And your calling as a Christian, though, is to live by what is true, not by what you feel. To worship God because he's worth it, not because you feel like worshiping him today. To trust the word of God over your feelings when it comes to every single situation you could ever find yourself in. Because when your feelings are telling you this, and the word of God is saying, no, this... No matter how convincing your feelings are, and they will be convincing, one of those two things by definition has to be wrong. I'll give you a hint. It's not the word of God. It's never the word of God. So if I wake up in the morning and I'm just feeling unworthy, I'm feeling unlovable, like I've sinned too many times and gone too far too many times, and therefore God can no longer use me, or he doesn't like me anymore, or I've somehow ruined his purpose and his plan for my life, that's when I need to remind myself via the belt of truth that I am not that powerful. I am not stronger than the grace of God. I am not better at sinning than God is at saving, and I need to get over myself and accept his grace. That is what is true. What's true is that God doesn't need you. God wants you, which means that what is true is that you don't have to, but you now get to, because what you're not, he is, and when you can't, he can. 
The belt of truth wraps you in this kind of reality that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do because he's come through on every single promise he's ever made and he's not about to stop anytime soon. Not with you, but your default setting as a Christian is to live by what you feel every day, not by what's true until you talk yourself into truth. Until you wrap yourself in the belt of truth. Until you ready yourself. Until you make the decision that only you can make for you. That today I am choosing to live by what is true, not by what I feel. Amen? That's the belt of truth, number one. Then Paul goes on to say, next you put on the breastplate of righteousness. So what this is, is basically a reminder that every Christian needs pretty much every day that our righteousness, my righteousness doesn't come from me, it comes from Jesus. So I'll explain it this way. Say you've had, you know, one of those days or one of those weeks or one of those hours where you just feel like you're crushing it as a Christian in every way, like you're just firing on all cylinders, like maybe you're on a mission trip or maybe it's the day after the women's conference, the day after the red conference and you're fired up and you wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning after dreaming prophetic dreams all night and you pray for everybody in your phone book before you go and memorize yet another chapter in Galatians and then go share Jesus with your barista as you get some coffee to head downtown to do homeless ministry, right? Just one of those days where you're just like, I'm crushing. And you walk with a little extra swagger in your step on that day because on that day, you think that God is more pumped about you than usual. And then the exact opposite is true on a day where you feel like you're falling short and you're not doing anything you know you should do and you, you can't seem to figure it out as a Christian. And on those days, you, you kind of steer clear from God because you think, surely he can't like me and I'll put myself in a timeout until maybe I've made up for everything that I've done wrong and then I'll come to God. And, and we don't audibly say this, but we think it in our hearts like, God, are you and I cool? Like, are we cool now? Those two days feel like polar opposites, but the breastplate of righteousness is a reminder that you and God are not cool because of all the amazing things that you do for his kingdom, nor are you cool because of the timeouts that you put yourself in. You and God are cool because of the cross. And what's more than that, without the cross, you and God would not be cool because it's his righteousness. It has not ever been about my righteousness. It's about his. And by dying on the cross, through the cross, he has gifted me his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what that means. This means that with the breastplate of righteousness, every single day you can now walk with that holy swagger in your step, dressed in the perfection that he has purchased for you, not in arrogance because you didn't do anything. You got saved because you couldn't save yourself, and we understand that. But in a holy confidence that comes from understanding that he is my father, and I am his child, and I was chosen to be holy and blameless before the foundations of the earth were even laid. Your record is undefeated. You want to know why? Because you have his record. And when he looks at you, that's what he sees is the perfection of his son, Jesus. That's what you are clothed in right now, which means the world or the devil can't look at anything about you and point a finger at or blame you for because you're clothed in perfection. Does that make sense? Nobody can point out anything because the breastplate of righteousness covers all. And I think the challenge as a Christian is just figuring out how to actually believe news that good. There's no condemnation for you. 
If we lived like we really believed that was true every day, it's in the Bible, it's Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't condemn you, and if God doesn't condemn you, nobody can. And by the way, that includes you condemning you. Live and act the way he sees you. You have his permission. He sees you as holy and blameless, and the breastplate of righteousness enables you to do so. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, the sandals of peace. Here's what I know biblically. God's desire for you is to live in peace as you walk in your calling, regardless of the season that might come your way. So the promise that Jesus gave us was never to keep us out of the valleys or away from the waves. The promise he gives us is of this illogical peace of infinite amount that you can know that transcends understanding, even in the middle of the darkest valley or the biggest waves, even on the mountaintop, even in the most mundane seasons of life. This is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Look at this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, here to bring you peace. That's what the presence of God is. His presence is Peace. That's what this whole season, this holiday season is about. Peace on earth. Peace coming to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. Even though for a lot of us, if you're like me, it's the busiest season. But this kind of peace is the kind of peace that transcends any busyness, any understanding. There's no prerequisites for this kind of peace. But it must, here's what I've learned, it must be decided upon. See, that's counterintuitive because you think, no, that peace would be a feeling. It's a decision way before it's a feeling. Just like love, just like following Jesus, if those are based on feelings, it's not going to bode well for you. If it's based on a decision, that changes everything. This kind of peace that transcends understanding is a decision way before it's a feeling. To say, God, I, I feel like every bone in my body is anxious and worried and stressed out right now, but I'm deciding to hand my schedule over to you. I'm deciding that I will not feel hurried or rushed because my schedule is now in your hands. I will be a calming and steady presence in any situation that you put me in now, whether it's at work or at home or in the car, wherever I am, I will leave tracks of peace and stability everywhere I go via the sandals of the gospel of peace that are now on my feet because I'm deciding it to be so. This is linked, at least in my mind, to the next one, the fourth one, which is the helmet of salvation. Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation. I heard a pastor say, you can't have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. And the helmet of salvation is your key to taking ground in your thought life. Like Paul says in Ephesians, remember that we fight against things that we can't see a lot of times, things like our thoughts. Your thought life is a battlefield. Things like things that whisper things into your ears that you can't see, those lies, if you can relate to that, I sure can. Those lies that tell you you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not wanted enough, you're not strong enough, you, you, you misheard God on that one. Those people over there, they're, they're talking about you. You know those lies. The helmet of salvation protects you from that because I know even as I'm giving this message, there's fiery darts headed my way. There's lies headed my way. The devil speaks lies. We speak English. He speaks lies. That's his language. 
And our thought life is our responsibility. My thought life is my responsibility. And with the helmet of salvation and the rest of the armor, I have everything I need to to make war and to push back darkness up here, even in a realm that I can't see. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So put it this way. You have thoughts that are well-behaved, and then you have thoughts that are very disobedient to the word of God that you have a hard time controlling. It's very possible for a lot of you, you've been bowing down to those disobedient thoughts for years or decades, and it's had a negative effect not just on your life, but in the lives of the people in your life. And scriptures are challenging you to do battle against that, to take ground in your thought life because your fickle, ever-changing emotions are only going to get in line behind truth when you put them there. Disobedient thoughts only become obedient to the word of God when you take them captive and tell them to be. Your thoughts are going to tell you what to do and where to go unless you tell your thoughts what to do and where to go. And I promise you, God's desire for your mind, for your thought life, is to live in peace as you walk in your calling, regardless of the season that you're walking through. And sometimes I wish thoughts were more like 3D and real so I could just punch them in the face and know that I'm doing something against these thoughts. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Even in a a domain that's as invisible as your mind and your thought life, the blood of Jesus and the weapons of grace are more than you need. Everything you need to push back darkness and take ground up here, but only you can do that for you. God's made a path, we need to take it. He offers victory, we need to claim it. I find myself so often like praying, like praying good prayers, by the way, to God, like, God, help me with this, take this away, and, and, and help me think this way instead. And, and a lot of times, He answers those prayers because our Heavenly Father is just that good. But a lot of times, especially recently, I've been hearing God say, Hey, buddy, stop asking me to give you things I've already given you and answer prayers. I've already answered for you. The war has been won. The heavy lifting has been done, but you have ownership in this equation as well, and it's time to make war, and it's time to take ground, and it's time to push back darkness because you have everything you need to do so. I made sure of it. Anxiety has been a bear in my life for the past five years. It has robbed sleep from me. It has robbed life from me. I probably enjoy marriage and my job a lot less than I could because of it. It has paid off in no way, and worrying has not added a single hour to my life to prove exactly what Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. But 2016, my posture has shifted, and it's been a year of going to battle, trying to take ground in my mind by taking anxious thoughts captive and choosing instead to dwell on what is good, right, pleasing, and pure. Easier said than done. And that's the understatement of 2016. I know. But look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And on the days that I do this, I actually see it work. I really do. On days when I don't, anxiety greets me about 30 seconds after I wake up and pushes me around all day. 2016, I've just decided that I'm sick of it, and so I'm fighting And I still have anxiety, but I can stand up here with full integrity and tell you it's a lot less than it was a year ago today. 
And a year from now, it'll be even less still because I'm not going to stop. Some people try this stuff once or twice or for a week or two, don't see ground being taken, and then they, they just quit. I'm telling you, you might have a structure that you've been thinking through for years and years and years, and it might be a battle ahead of you, but I'm telling you, every day of fighting is so worth it. I'm taking any of the real estate that is in my mind that anxiety currently owns, and I'm taking it back for the kingdom of God. It's a replacement strategy, right? And it actually works, I'm telling you, but it's on me. It's on me, and it's on you. But the helmet of salvation enables you to do so. That's number four. Number five, the shield of faith. Paul says, take up the shield of faith because it protects you. Not so that you can play defense. Usually when we think shields, we think defense. He's saying, no, no, no. So you can play offense. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, I think it is, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the efforts of the church. That right there signifies that hell with its gates is the side that's playing defense and heaven, our side is the side that is playing offense. We're the ones who are taking ground and we do so through faith that God keeps his promises. If you remember Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel's buddies from the Old Testament, they get thrown into the fiery furnace because they refuse to bow down to this statue of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar put up. And I don't know if you remember their postures going into that specific battle to the furnace, but they were confident and they were expectant, which is pretty impressive in that situation. Confident in who their God was and expectant that he was going to rescue them. But then they say something even more impressive than that. They say, yeah, we believe God's going to rescue us, but even if he doesn't, it's okay. We're not God. We don't control what he does. He's not some cosmic vending machine up in the sky. We push all the right buttons in the right order and get what we want from him. That's not God. God is God, and God moves when he wants to move, but we can be ready for when, not if, but when he moves. And if he wants to move, if he wants to do something in my life or in somebody else's life through me, I'll be ready for it. I wonder how many opportunities have come and gone because Christians have not been ready when those opportunities came along. Picking up the shield of faith is picking up an expectant posture and reminding yourself, God is going to go with you everywhere you go. Every temptation that comes your way, he's giving you a way out. And that if you believe, you just might see the glories of God. You just might see him show off today and flex his muscles and answer prayers in a big way for his glory. He loves an expectant posture. That's number five, and that brings us to the final one. And worship team, you guys can come back out. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. So on this table, I have two swords, really. This is the replica, although it's a cool replica. And this is the real thing right here. This is the real sword. And when I say that this is the real one, I mean that with all my heart. I think it's Hebrews 4.12. The author of Hebrews says that this thing is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And the first thing that you think of in battle is to reach for a sword. And in any battle that you might face, if the very first thing that pops in your mind when you come across a battle or a temptation or a trial or even an opportunity is the word of God, you're going to be in good shape if this is the first thing. Because this thing has the power to transform who you are from the inside out. I promise it does if you give it a chance. If you speak verses out loud over yourself, there is so much power 
behind the audible word of God, speaking things like Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified or discouraged for the Lord your God to be with you wherever you go. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And speaking these verses, Google a hundred more and speak them over your life until they make the trip from here to here and are not just memory verses, but now have become internalized and are a part of who you are. So that way, when you face battles, because it's not a matter of if, it's when. The only, we're Christians in the United United States in 2016, and the only way you're going to completely avoid battles or trials or anything like that is if you remove yourself from the world and like move to South Dakota, build a treehouse, and never come out of it. That's the only way you're going to get away from it, but you're not going to do that because we're Christians, and although we're not called to be of the world, Jesus says we are called to be in the world, and we will face those battles, but now when we do, your first response won't be apathy or fear or justification. The human brain, by the way, can justify anything you want it to justify. We are brilliant at doing that. But now, when we face temptations, when we face battles, when we face amazing opportunities to be salt and light in the world, apathy, fear, and justification will no longer be the first response because you've internalized the word of God. And the sword of the spirit is the very first thing that you reach for saying, I'll be ready. Whatever it is, I'll be ready. Christians who are ready, change the world. I'll be ready to stand strong even when the world disagrees with me. I'll be ready to stand strong when Christendom is no longer the era that we are living in and Christianity continue to get, continues to get pushed towards the margins. I'll be ready. I'll be ready to love. I'll be ready to encourage. I'll be ready to forgive. I'll I'll be ready to listen before I speak. I'll be ready to seek to understand other people before I demand that they understand me. I'll be ready to make the most out of every single moment to see that the Great Commission is done, whether that means inviting people to church, whether that means talking to my friends about Jesus. I'll be ready with something to say to them. I'll be ready to lend a helping hand because if I'm already ready, then I don't have to get ready when the opportunity is there. Christians who are ready change the world. Christians who are ready leave a dent on history. Christians who are ready tell their emotions what to do rather than the other way around. Christians who are ready tell their money what to do rather than their money tell them what to do. Christians who are ready claim promises, take ground, and play offense. The weapons of grace that God gives us really, really do work. I know all this talk like battle-tested and the armor of God and the sword of the spirit like it sounds like some crazy movie and I rolled my eyes at it the first time I heard it but I think the only way to see the power behind it is to actually give it a chance and try it out in your life not just once this is a spiritual discipline like I said anxiety's been my bear I've been battling it every day for a year and it's still here it's less but it's still here I'm not stopping until it's gone because I understand that it can be gone through the blood of Jesus and the weapons of grace that he gives us. But give it a shot. And so here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with something tangible and practical to take with you in order to do this. And I wrote an armor of God prayer that takes about four minutes to read, maybe two or three for you because I'm a slow reader. And I've been starting every morning of 2016 with this prayer, and I wanted to share it with you guys. If you have the Red Rocks Church app, you can go to that. On the bottom menu, there's a button that says Battle Tested. 
and that'll open up a menu. The Armor of God prayer is right on that, so you can take it with you if you want to try praying it every day this week when you wake up. It takes three minutes to read in the morning. You can walk out of the front door with a posture of readiness and expectancy as opposed to passivity and unawareness of the things of God and what he's up to. Just by talking yourself into truth before you step into just what you feel that day. And so what would it look like even to, to pray this every morning for the rest of the year? I wanna encourage you guys. He gives us weapons to fight with if we take advantage of them. There's so much ground to be taken out here and up here in your life. There really is. And soon you'll just start to wake up dressed in it. Soon all the lies that you once upon a time believed and lived by will begin to be replaced by truth and by the word of God. You have any idea how much more freeing that is? Strongholds can sometimes take some time to tear down and some time to rebuild the right way, but it is so worth battling every single day. Every single time heaven touches earth, it does so, does so through the delivery system of somebody's faith and expectancy. God looks at a posture of expectancy and goes, ah, oh, I can do so much with that. I want to do so much with that. And we don't control what he does or when he moves, but we can be ready. I don't know about you, but I wanna be ready. I wanna see the glories of God like Jesus said we would if we believe. I wanna see God move in even crazier ways than he already has in this church. I wanna see God take more ground through the things that I can actively do to be a part of the story. He lets us be a part of this. We don't have to, we get to, this is crazy. And so let's do this. Would you guys stand? I wanna read this prayer over you. And you can close your eyes. You can hold your hands out like this to receive whatever you feel comfortable doing. But I'm gonna read this prayer like I'm speaking it over myself and you hear it and you pray it like you're speaking it over yourself. Here we go. Hello, God. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for the promises and victories that you've already spoken over my life. Today, I receive those promises and I claim victory right now over, you can fill in the blank there with whatever it is for you, fear, anxiety, lust, apathy, whatever. First, I put on the belt of truth. I choose to live today by what is true and not by what I feel. My emotions are fickle, but truth never changes. And the truth about me is that I am chosen, loved, and forgiven, even if I don't feel it at the moment. The truth is that I have a purpose and a calling. The truth is there is somebody for me to love and to encourage today. Next, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My righteousness does not come from me, it comes from you. And today I choose to live how you see me, God, which is holy and blameless. No matter what happened this past week, I am white as snow because your mercies are new every single morning. Today I walk with a holy swagger dressed in the perfection you purchased for me, not in arrogance, but in confidence that you are my father and I am your child. And if you don't condemn me, then nobody can, and that includes myself. 
Now I put on the sandals of the gospel of peace. You desire for me to live in peace as I walk in my calling. My schedule is now in your hands, and I will not be hurried or rushed today, regardless of what happens. I will be a calming, stable, and steady presence, God, everywhere I go. I now put on the helmet of salvation. I know that my thought life is crazy, and today I choose to take every disobedient thought captive in the name of Jesus Christ. I know there are lies heading my way even as I pray, and so I protect my mind with this helmet, for those thoughts are nothing but a waste of my time. Your love surrounds me, and when my thought, your love surrounds me when my thoughts wage war, and so I will dwell on nothing but what is good, right, pleasing, and pure. God, I pick up the shield of faith, ready to take ground for the kingdom. Temptations, criticism, and storms are on the horizon, but with this shield, I claim victory out loud and ahead of time, knowing you are going before me. I know that faith pleases you, and heaven will touch earth in my life through the delivery system of my faith. And so today, I believe there's nothing that you can't do in my life and through my life. And finally, God, I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. Your word is a double-edged sword that will teach me, guide me, discipline me, comfort me, and prevail against the enemy. Your word says that he, is that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the word, the world. Your word reminds me that when I commit my life to your glory, you will commit your resources to my story. Father, I go now about my day, and I invite you along every step of the way. Thank you for choosing me as a representative of your love to a world that so desperately needs that love. Let the people in my life see Jesus in me as your power is made perfect in my weakness. God, today I will be ready. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys, let's worship.